welcome to the Time Shifters podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. This podcast takes a fun look at the films of long past, recent past, and the almost present, as well as the events and news surrounding them. I would love to hear from you, and there are several ways to get in touch with the show. Look for the Time Shifters podcast group on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Time Shifters Pod, or you can send us a typed or recorded message to timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. If you haven't already, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and please check us and our fellow podcasters out over on podchaser.com. Please rate and review the show at any of these outlets. All these links can be found on timeshifterspodcast.com. Now let's head to the Timeshifter studio and start the show. Everyone, welcome back to the show. This is Christopher. I here. I am here, of course, with Tom. Tom, how you doing? Good, sir. How are you doing? I'm gonna try to stay awake till the end of the show. <laughs> As we were kicking this off, you've been a little rough, so. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. We'll see how this one goes. Last one, of course, I thought went really well. And real quick, before we go any further, I just uh, wanted to mention that we got a. Uh, a message from Pete Quint of the Good Beer, Bad Movie Night about our Mitchell episode. He, uh, he wrote to me and said, Hi, Time Shifters. Just got done listening to Mitchell, and it brought back some fond memories. In 1993, MST3K did a free cheese college tour and happened to make a stop at the Ohio State University's campus, which I attended. They were showing Mitchell, and it was a genuine shock when Joel left the show. We got T-shirts with free cheese on the front. <laughs> says, uh, your comment on how the villain offered a prostitute to, quote-unquote, soften up Mitchell confused me. Correct me if I'm wrong, but a prostitute's job is to do anything but soften you up. But don't bump. Yes. Yes, Pete, that is true. However, I don't think any of us really want to think about Mitchell in that way. No. <laughs> yeah. uh, but thank you for listening, and thank you for sending us that message. And, and, and as a follow-up, if you're listening to this one, what kind of free cheese was on the front of the shirt? Was it a Gouda, a cheddar? Uh, I, I need to know. It was a good. It, 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 well, if you like the shirt, it must have been Gouda. Ah, oh. <laughs> and thank you all for listening. That's going to wrap up tonight. <laughs> That's about as good as I'm going to be able to give tonight. Thank you. All right. No, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm kind of dragging today, and uh, just remember, you're not at work now. You're not at work. Yeah, now. that's true. Yeah, work's, work is what's kind of kicked my butt today. It happens. We all got to make the money. Other people have more interesting jobs. I got a couple bit of uh, casting news that I wanted to mention today. This is, I think, kind of cool. This news came out on around April 19th, so it's a little, obviously, a little old by the time we're talking about it. Apparently, Vin Diesel is going to star in a Rock'em Sock'em robot movie for Universal Studios and, and collaboration with Mattel. What I want to know is, is he he playing red or blue? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) There is promise, though. Ryan Ingle, who was the writer behind uh, Rampage, is the one that penned the screenplay for this. Really? (laughs) So there's there's some hope that this might actually be kind of fun. I mean, if anyone can take an oddball game and turn it into a a potential script that he's got the shot. This is uh, apparently 
Wow. Uh, <laughs> we just now saw this paragraph in this article. Mattel is in the works on live-action adaptations of their other game and toy IPs, including Barbie. That doesn't surprise yeah. me. Barney. That, that does. maybe surprises. Hot Wheels. Okay. And Magic 8-Ball. Magic 8-Ball? <laughs> <laughs> All with Universal. Why do I picture for the Magic 8-Ball, I'm just picturing Jack Black with his shirt off and a big old thing in the middle of him. <laughs> uh, I don't know about the latter part, but I can definitely see this being like a Jack Black vehicle. Uh, yeah, the, yeah, this is very much somebody that decides to like live their life by the Magic 8-Ball or something, maybe. Or, or, or maybe a Seth, uh, Seth Rogen film. <laughs> company is also developing a feature version of its popular 90s tv series wishbone so but yeah uh the ryan engel thing has got me hopeful you know hope, hopeful I'll, I'll yeah cautiously optimistic maybe something like yeah, that Yeah, no i'll take that i kind of thought uh that movie what was it called real steel was gonna be kind of like the rock'em sock'em yeah. robot but that didn't quite that actually ended up being i thought a rather entertaining and interesting film. It, yeah, no, from uh, it's been a while since I've seen that one, but yeah, that one it, it was enjoyable. It was good family flick, especially, especially father son kind of thing. Sure, right. Yeah, but apparently that we are going to get a, a legitimate rock'em sock'em. So, all right, that'll be fun. Sure. <laughs> now this other one I was really excited about. Uh, I wouldn't have been excited about this film otherwise, but Michael Keaton is returning to the role of Batman in the upcoming The Flash movie, starring uh, Ezra Miller. And it's interesting, because uh, I've been reading recently that essentially the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League was supposed to be the end of the Snyderverse, as they're calling it. Um, so the fact that they're making a Flash with Edra Ezra Miller... And he came out of the Snyderverse version. I'm just curious how that will play out. Yeah, I am not sure. There are no details as far as that in this article. It does mention that the film is going to look at Batman as the... You know, last time we saw Michael Keaton was in the uh, Batman Returns. Right. And apparently this film is going to sort of ignore the sequels that came afterward. afterwards. Right. And so we're just going to pick up where, you know, that Batman left off, well, 30 years later. Okay. Uh, knowing Flash, it'll be probably, it'll use elements of the uh, of the storyline called Flashpoint. Um, mm -hmm. where, exactly. Where he goes, he ends up splitting the universe as he uh, resets time in a couple of places. And who knows, uh, this could even be the Thomas Wayne version of Batman, which was born out of the uh, Flashpoint series. Yeah, it just says that the story sees, uh, I guess this is referring to the Flashpoint, is yeah, um, Barry Allen traveling back in time to prevent the death of his mother. The result, Allen inadvertently creates another universe yep. protected by Keaton's Batman, now 30 years older. Now, we won't see anything in this until late 2022. Uh, apparently it was up in the air. Keaton had announced that this, he was going to do this, but then it was really up in the air whether or not he would uh, actually travel over to the UK to do his, the filming because of the COVID. Yeah. And he was keeping an eye on that. Right. But according to his uh, agency, uh, or his agent, I should say, uh, he is going to do it. He is going to appear. Now, 
I'm not gonna lie. He's my favorite movie Batman. I can see that. Live action Batman. I can see I, that. I, I really liked him as Bruce Wayne and Batman in the original Batman. So see him again, you know, it was a 30 year kind of older. I really thought his Birdman was a little bit like, okay, this is what it'd be like if it was if he was Batman again. Yeah. <laughs> or at least his version of doing um, Adam West's <laughs> As, a little bit yeah what 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 if his batman was adam the adam west batman and he's still trying to make a career right fun bit of trivia though we're talking about that movie birdman uh the birdman suit that they put him in yeah uh and the initial uh fitting he went and tried it on and it fit pretty well and they got the measurements from the batman suit in like uh like the uh the wax museum figure or the uh, ho- or the big the hollywood some museum somewhere that had like a mannequin with the batman suit and that's where they got the measurements and that's what they based the measurements on for the suit and it still fit him he was really proud of himself <laughs> uh yeah i know as a middle-aged man if you can be told you fit into something that you didn't you haven't worn in 20 years that's a good day <laughs> <laughs> it is a very good day yeah, no, I'm kind of excited for that, and uh, and I'm I'm with you on the whole. Um, it, it's funny the Christopher Nolan Batman movies are my favorite Batman movies, but Michael Keaton is still my favorite Batman. I got a little bit of news that I just saw today, so I don't know too much about it. But on the heels of um, the uh, Godzilla versus Kong movie. Uh, they are actually looking to continue the monster verse and looking at possibly a son of Kong movie. That's interesting. Are we going to have to then get a prequel where we see the Kong and Mrs. Kong romance that brings along son of Kong? Yeah, sure. I mean, he, <laughs> he finds love in middle earth. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't. I haven't seen the numbers to know how well Kong ver, or uh, Godzilla versus Kong did, but I have to think that if it made its money back in any form, someone's going to be looking at the idea of, oh, can we do this again? Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And really, I mean, it's called Godzilla versus Kong, but it was a Kong film. Oh yeah, absolutely, it was a Kong film. I mean, it it was. That that was the story to fall, follow, and in this case, Godzilla was the quote-unquote baddie until you get yeah. the other baddie. It was kind of one of those situations where uh, the star of the film doesn't get top billing because that's not the one that's going to put butts in the seat. <laughs> oh, and uh, looking up a little further, uh, the director of Godzilla vs. Kong is the one possibly being tapped for this next one. All so right, Adam oh, Wingard. Right, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'm obviously I would watch it. Sure, there's not not a chance that I wouldn't. <laughs> you, you, you'd watch it if it was absolutely terrible, but the, yeah. <laughs> but it gives you a little hope after coming off of a decent run with the whole Godzilla versus Kong and the director at that helm to see that he might yeah. have a crack at doing it again. Yeah, no, I, I would be very interested in seeing what they what they do with that. That'd be fun. Yeah, especially since they ran through the monster, all the other monsters that were potentially out there, they kind of ran through in the 
credit sequence at the beginning of the movie. Well, I was thinking about that. Did they? I mean, they went through and they said that Godzilla defeated them, but I'm thinking, well, that doesn't mean he killed them necessarily. They could have just crawled off and returned to Hollow Earth or something. During all the uh, the fantastic Toho days, yes, Godzilla never really fully wiped anybody out. They all kind of went off to their own... They, they went to Monster Island in a lot of cases. I mean... <laughs> exactly. I mean, how many times did he beat the shit out of uh, Rodan? <laughs> just to, Right, yeah. Just to have him still It'll always around. come back. Oh, no, he's been sleeping under a lake or in a volcano. Sure. Of course he has. Absolutely. Sure. Why would you not? How do you get there? Don't know. That's <laughs> not important. Doesn't matter. Not important. <laughs> aliens. <laughs> it was usually aliens. Or or there's little fairy girls. They're get around. Guessing the my my hope for seeing a uh, modern interpretation of the fairy the Mothra fairy twins I think are dwindling. Yeah, good, <laughs> yep, pretty much. But hey, interestingly enough, the uh, DVDs that you uh, bequeathed to me, um, uh, Jack and I put to good use, and he got to catch up on some of the uh, the two thousand era, uh, the late nineties two thousand era Toho Godzilla, and he really liked that. Good. That's good. That's a fun series of films, I think. I, th- those are enjoyable. Those were the kind of like just go to put them on because I wanted to see, you know, giant monsters battle kind of thing. And they're, they're bright. They're colorful. They were fun. They had a lot of characters from movie to movie that would carry over. I enjoyed them. And, so. and that was one of my favorite versions of Mechagodzilla. <laughs> yeah, that one looked pretty cool. Yeah. Big, beefy, kind of, you know, looked looked formidable. Yep. Uh, Didn't look like someone that spray painted a couple boxes and <laughs> strapped them on. Not like the early versions, no. <laughs> right. Uh, interestingly enough, though, uh, we we watched it in the Japanese language, and then Jack was mad uh, when it finished up and went back to the main title, and he's like, "We could have watched it in English." <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you actually got him reading the subtitles. I did. Huh? I got him reading the subtitles. <laughs> I have not been able to convince Ben to uh, to do that yet. It, it it kills me when we decide to watch a Godzilla film. I'm like, now we got to watch it dubbed, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. So I was uh, thrilled that I pulled that off, and then I got busted in the end. <laughs> don't anybody think that I just got rid of them? They've all been replaced with Blu-rays, so... <laughs> okay, come on. Anybody that has spent any time with you on this show or otherwise would know different. <laughs> yes. Yeah, he gave up his crap versions, folks. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, that's that's nice, fun bit of news all the way around. I I think we did pretty good on the, on the news front this time. Yep. I'm... It's a, we have to wait so long before any of these things happen, though. <laughs> this is 2022, 2023 before we see any of this stuff. The world's in reboot mode. <laughs> yeah, it's, so, it's got to go through the restart cycle. Yeah, you're going to have to wait for the little beach ball on your Apple computer to finish spinning, and then then we'll get back to it. Well, let's talk about a couple films. Yes. And one is another screener we got a hold of. Did you get a chance to finish this? You were going to watch it just tonight? I did. I, I squeezed that in, and it finished 15 minutes before we started our show. Dad? Yeah? Will you read me a story? Of course. 
Do you promise you'll remember the monsters? Promise. What is this place? some patience. It hasn't finished yet. It was called Under Gods. This will be uh, in limited theaters and streaming on demand starting May 7th. It was written and directed by Chino Moya. And uh, following its world premiere at Fantasia last year, the film went on to celebrate its UK premiere at Glasgow Film Festival in February. And since then, Under Gods has gone on to receive two British Independent Film Award nominations. Uh, This is another film that declares itself to be one thing and is very much something else. Uh, As it was presented to us, quote, In a futuristic, post-apocalyptic world, K and Z roam the streets on the lookout for corpses and something even more valuable, fresh meat, unquote. Now, this does happen, but the bulk of the film is a sort of anthology of interwoven and interconnected stories. And I have to admit, I was never quite sure what was going on, but at no point was I not interested in it. It was the most bizarre thing. I had I have no idea what this movie was really trying to say or what this movie was about. But I was completely invested in it the whole time. I felt reminiscent of like when I watched the movie Brazil. Yes, okay. Yeah, uh, that that surreal I don't know what I'm watching, but I can't look away. Yeah. That might be a really good uh comparison folks just gonna tell you that this is not a feel-good film <laughs> no nothing about any of the vignettes that that you watch give you the warm and fuzzies after you've gone through it and quite frankly why people don't just throw themselves in the back of the corpse truck just straight away <laughs> in this world <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I did really like, unlike the last anthology film that kind of um, ambushed us, right. <laughs> I liked the way that these stories actually did one led to another. Yes. You didn't know what was going on, 
And then all of a sudden, oh wait, that was just sort of an introduction to the next story. And then it move, and then it, that story would move on from there. I'm like, oh, that was well done. I like that. Like, why is this little girl here? What's going on? Oh, that's the start of the next story. Well, and oh, <laughs> speaking of the 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 collectors of the dead um, portion, what you don't even realize from the start of the movie when you're seeing these corpse collectors and their truck is you actually meet a good hunk of the cast as they pan over the dead bodies in the back of the truck. Oh, I didn't catch yeah, that. Is that true? That is true. That, that, um, yes, because, and you don't kind of know that until you get to like the second of the vignettes when you actually watch them load one of the bodies in, but it takes place before what starts at the beginning of the film. Because this is not told necessarily chronologically. You're getting the vignettes and everything with the collectors is happening kind of in their own time. This world is just incredibly weird. The the dystopian mixed with suburban life mixed with any possible corporate entity that could exist ever. I mean, it's just this weird amalgam of things that don't seem to all fit together. But yet they still at times, I mean, mostly anyway, still feel like, they exist in that same universe. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, which is, it, it, which adds to the mystique of it all. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause I mean, at one point you're in a story that looks like it's being filmed in the reawakening of the Chernobyl dwellings, the, the big, right. The big building, the, 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 basically the apartments of the folks that lived in the Chernobyl area. Cause there's like, there's a couple living in a building and they're the only ones that live in that building (laughs) Mm because it's still being restored and, and, and furnished and people are moving in. And then you get a weird story around just the couple living in this one building. (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, it was, it's, it's interesting. I mean, it's one of these films where I want to recommend it, but I'm not sure who to recommend right. it to. Yeah, you have to be very careful of that. <laughs> if you're the art film type and you like the yeah. the bizarre, um, then sure, that this is for you. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, it is fantastic. Uh, wonderfully shot the cinematography i think is great the 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 setting where the places they found the locations that they found to shoot this thing in are i'm I'm looking at it going how much of this is like cgi and how much is this like really someplace that no one lives anymore and i think it's more the latter than the former right And, and like that's why i get that sense of chernobyl in the one like the building standing stark in a in a setting where there's nothing else really around or living, well, you can actually go there now, mm-hmm. um, and there are those that have actually shot um, film and footage there. So I'm actually kind of wondering, did they use it? I didn't look yeah, up apparently. whether where they did locations. A lot of the locations were in Estonia and Serbia. Okay. So, definitely plenty of uh, 
Eastern European. <laughs> so yeah, plenty of um, plenty of locations that have been destroyed in for one in one way or another. They fit in those the dystopian areas, so. look. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And if uh, if you're a uh, a real big Torchwood fan, uh, you if you make it to the end, you'll see uh, Burn Gorman, who played um, Owen on Torchwood. Um, so he's in there. Actually, he's a recognizable face. Actually, it's funny you bring up uh, the Torchwood thing because uh, since we were on a kaiju run uh, this weekend, he's also in both Pacific Rim movies. Right, thank you. I was just looking up to make to make sure that I was thinking that he was in uh, at least the first one, but he was in the second one as well. Yes. So yeah, so he he is like the only familiar face that I saw in the film. Right. But uh, when you're watching something like this and you're really not sure what's going on, and you suddenly you see a familiar face, you're like, oh, thank God. <laughs> it it adds an. It's error. like going to a party where you know nobody. <laughs> It's kind of funny you even mentioned that because his character is featured at a party. <laughs> yeah, well, yes. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, it, it almost gives a sense of, oh, I'm not in the wrong place. <laughs> yeah, 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 thank goodness. <laughs> there, there, there's an air of legitimacy to, oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Somebody I know came to this one. <laughs> yep, so we'll say this, we'll tentatively recommend it. <laughs> If it, if it comes onto a streaming service that you're already subscribed to and it's going to be included in whatever package that is, you know, take an hour and a half and take a look is what I would say. But don't – I wouldn't say put any money after this. Is I hate to say that because I know filmmakers don't necessarily make a lot, especially when you know, – but that's kind of how I, I feel about it. I – had I rented or bought this, I'm not sure how I'd feel about spending that money. Right, and, and I really, really, really do have to say, this is not the movie you watch on one of your downest days. Right. <laughs> this is not <laughs> going to happy help day. that day. <laughs> yeah, make it a happy day. Uh, I'm actually, uh, in looking up some of it, some of it re- referred to them as dark comedies as the vignettes there's, and I'm like that's a stretch there's humor there's some yeah humor, there's humor but it's really dark <laughs> yeah like yeah comedy is not how I would call it <laughs> oh you you're not gonna walk away laughing from this no. film but yeah but very very interesting film. yes no 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 it's thoughtful um poignant at times uh and yes uh, comedy doesn't fit, but absurd, absurd fits, I think, because yeah, it's mocking a, a moment. Um, and it's possible in life that those same moments could be mocked. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you could be in the, your worst place and still manage to find something that's like, huh, um, <laughs> it's kind of got that kind of <laughs> moment to it. All right, well, with that, let's go ahead and take a break uh, for listen to a promo for another podcast. And when we get back, we're going to look at a made-for-TV movie that came out in 1973, and it's Don't Be Afraid of the Dark.
to this month's meeting of the Classic Horrors Club. I'm Rich Chamberlain from MonsterMovieKid.wordpress.com and KCCinephile.com. And I'm Jeff Owens from ClassicHorrors.club. Let's begin with a report from our sergeant-at-arms. Vince, are there any housekeeping details today? Once the door is locked, there's no way out. The windows have bars that the jail would be proud of. And the only door to the outside locks like a vault. There's no electricity, no phone, no one within miles, so no way to call for help. Uh, Thank you for that very thorough report. As you all know, oh yes, we have a comment. It's time we started. We had better get on with it. Well, we're trying. As you all know, we're recording a new bumper for the podcast. So what testimonials can you give potential listeners? Yes, Al? I hope that as you listen to this, you are among your loved ones. Hmm, interesting feedback, I guess. Vince, what do you think he means by that? So many unexplainable things have happened here. You're not really selling it, guys. Chris, how do you think fans of classic horror, from silent screen to Halloween and everything scary in between, will feel after listening to the Classic Horrors Club podcast? In the first moments, every muscle, every fiber will be afire with torment and agony in the days to come. Come on, doesn't anyone have something good to say about the Classic Horrors Club podcast? Yes, Bela. Well, this isn't a very pleasant way to entertain a guest. <laughs> At least someone's having fun. Let's adjourn on a high note. Al, would you like to sign us out? This concludes our danse macabre. Eloquent as usual, thank you. Please join us for the next monthly episode of the Classic Horrors Club podcast, available where all fine podcasts are found. Kim Darby has inherited this house from her grandmother, but the house has some secrets. What's this? It's uh, for cleaning out the ashes. It's been bolted shut. By me. And that's the way it should stay. I think we have visitors. Visitors? Mice. Don't be afraid of the dark. Don't Be Afraid of the Dark is an American made-for-television horror film directed by John Newland and stars Kim Darby and Jim Hutton. It was released by Lorimar Productions and was first shown Wednesday, October 10th, 1973, during the ABC Movie of the Week. Sally and Alex have moved into Sally's recently deceased grandmother's Victorian mansion. Hiring grandma's old handyman, Mr. Harris, they set about redecorating and updating the old home. In a lower level, they find a small fireplace that's been bricked up and the ash clean-out door bolted shut. They inquire of opening it back up, but Mr. Harris insists that it isn't possible. He sealed that up years ago at the behest of Sally's grandmother. He is emphatic that it is best that it is left as it is. Allowing curiosity to get the better of her, Sally unbolts the ash door, finding nothing but a deep shaft and lots of reinforced brickwork. 
what she doesn't realize is that she has opened the door to some malevolent forces that begin terrorizing her. They set about tormenting Sally as Alex and her friend Joan watch her appear to begin a nervous breakdown. Can Sally get to the bottom of the mysterious fireplace? Or will she end up at the bottom of it instead? Very cute. I like that. (laughs) Kim Darby, she came on the screen. The name looked familiar. Mm -hmm. And then I was watching her. I'm like, I know I've seen this woman before. And I could not figure it out. I finally went and dug up and, and read a little bit on her. Just as I was making my notes and everything, she was Miri from Star Trek. The Star Trek original series, Miri, she's Miri. Remind me, Miri, which... They go to the world that's uh, with all the children uh, who, that are victims of, of the life prolongation experiments. Yeah, okay. I gotcha. Bonk, bonk, bonk. Yeah, no, no, yeah. No more blah, blah, blah. That one? Well, yeah, and she's had like, yeah, no, I see the uh, the credit now for uh, for Miri, but, uh, um, well, she's been in just about everything that was on TV. <laughs> yeah, she, she's made a lot of guest appearances on shows and, and made for TV movies and everything, but I was like, no, there's, there's, there's something about her that I just recognize, but I don't know from what. So reading that, I'm like, oh, oh, of course. Now I now I know. You don't remember her from the two-part episode of The Love Boat? <laughs> yeah, I missed that somehow. <laughs> I might have missed that one. I may not have been at my grandparents that night. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, I, I, I re- recognized her right away. I just, I couldn't pin it down to any one specific thing. And it's because I've seen her on everything. Okay. I probably have seen her in many things and maybe that was it. Maybe it was just that whole, I've seen her in a bunch, but I just, I knew there was just something just gnawing at me that says, you know her from this. And I couldn't think of it. Jim Hutton, who plays your husband, I thought seemed familiar too, but I think it might be because he's actually the father of Timothy Hutton. And I think maybe I recognize him I'm recognizing Timothy Hutton when I look at this Jim Hutton, maybe more than actual Jim Hutton. He was another one of those character actors that appeared in many things throughout the uh, the 70s. He only passed away a few years after this film. Yeah. Uh, cancer, I believe. Yeah, no, 1979. So. Mm-hmm. But since we've talked about those two, and particularly Jim Hutton, um, y- you gotta love the uh, the chauvinism that was <laughs> in this particular film. There is a lot of chauvinism and uh, misogyny and, oh, women are just crazy. Um, you Obviously, she doesn't know what she's talking about. She's a woman. <laughs> exactly. It was, a, it was incredibly cringeworthy. Uh, as I thought that was some of the scarier stuff going on. <laughs> Honestly, I was watching this film and thinking the scariest thing about this movie is the decorations of the 1970, <laughs> the interior decoration of 1970. Or, wow. Or, or the lapels. <laughs> <laughs> you cut yourself on one of those damn things. Well, this is the first time either one of us had watched yes. this. 
Uh, I was wondering if I would watch this and go, oh, no, no, th- this is familiar. I've caught this somewhere before. No, as far as I can, my memory goes, this is the first time I'd ever laid eyes on this thing. For a little made-for-TV movie, I could see this. Like It did. It, come out, it came out in October. This is a actually not a bad little Halloween fair kind of uh, movie. I I, I kind of liked it. I mean, it is dated is all hell. It, it, it Both is. Fashion, interior design, um, just the way it's shot, the the way that the characters interact with each other. Uh, yes, but I still found it pretty pretty enjoyable. Oh, and the fact that it's an October a Halloween kind of film. Um, and the baddies look like their their heads look like shrunken pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, and this is kind of timely too. I didn't realize this. Uh, Felix Silla played one of the creatures in this film, and uh, we unfortunately just lost him. Aww. Speaking of cancer, he just passed away of pancreatic cancer just uh, about a week ago at uh, time of recording. I thought it did a kind of. I was surprised how fast the. Um, how fast the if you want to call it the horror uh, starts? I mean, how fast the I mean, right from the beginning. As soon as the frankly, it's the opening of the film. You hear the weird whispers mm-hmm. about when's she coming? When are we going to be set free? You're like, okay, that's creepy. What's going on? And then we get like maybe a five ten minute break while they discuss the fireplace. And but before that first commercial break or where the commercial break would be, you're pretty much knowing. There's something you don't want to open that fireplace. The the handyman, Mr. Harris, knows something. I mean, it it's really right out of the gate. <laughs> it starts running. No, it does. Uh, and, and it does kind of grab you right away from that perspective uh, where I think uh, as much as it grabs you with that and you know that, okay, there, 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 there's something about her. There's something about what's going on in this house. The movie kind of fails to ever make a linkage to the baddies and why they're interested in that family. Yeah, that is true. That is the one thing that this doesn't do. I was going to say what presses me beyond the fact that it starts out so quick is that usually when something starts out that fast and decides, okay, the horror is going to start now, is it? there's not enough of it to get through the entire film. I think they kind of masterfully were able to stretch it through the whole film without it getting tiresome and without it being, you know, seeming like it was getting stretched. But yeah, and during all of that, though, there's never any real final, and this is why it's happening. Right. Which, honestly, I kind of like. I kind of like the fact that they didn't spell anything out. You almost kind of wonder, because let's face it, it's been a recurring theme in every made-for-TV movie that we've watched, is, is there potential for series? (laughs) (laughs) So, I almost kind of wonder if by leaving that question mark hanging, I mean, right up to the end, it's completely unclear what has entirely happened at the end of the film. Right. So it it begs that question. Is there more to tell and were they hoping to get a chance to tell it? Um, yeah, that is that is true. I I didn't see anything about this being based on any kind of uh 
books or anything like that, but you could definitely see where this could have come from like a book series. Yeah. I mean, this is like, this is goosebump territory. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things I wanted to get into is, and why it works as a made for TV movie. It, it, it has a sense of suspense and wonder and chill while still maintaining enough innocence that mm-hmm. it, it's not overwhelming. It's not jarring. This isn't the, the go to the theater and get scared kind of movie. The, this is that bump in the night kind of ghost story around a fire kind of thing. It, it's curl up, curl up with the family blankets over the lap and a bowl of popcorn be- between you. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. It, it, it has that wholesomeness about it for something that's supposed to be scary. Yeah, we were talking about uh, a couple episodes ago. We're talking about an entry level horror film. Yes, this would definitely be another one, and maybe even a better one. Yes, yeah, because uh, well, the thing I both, I guess, loved and hated about our little baddies because we don't even get to know what they're called, what kind, we don't know what kind of creatures they are, where they come from, why they exist. What, what their beef with the world or this family ever was. Um, we have no life, no connection to, to what these things are. But as much as that's both good and bad, I, I couldn't help but keep going and thinking, they're like the three stooges of goblins. <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. They even, um, they even managed to mess up one of their murders. They, there's that... Uh, it's just the way they were interacting with one another too. Like they're having their own conversations, which totally diffuses the scare, um, which is good it, it, for for a family friendly kind of horror movie. I mean, there are times we just get time with the with the baddies, and they're just interacting with each other, and it's kind of like, okay, well, we're a day in the life of pumpkin heads or whatever they are. <laughs> I'm kind of curious. You know, this was remade in 2010 by Guillermo del Toro. And I I wonder if they might have explored the stuff we're talking about more in the remake. And, and ha- happily, uh, a, a friend of mine, Paul, who, uh, who was kind enough to uh, locate a copy of this for his Plex server for me to watch... So I wouldn't have to pay the YouTube rental fee. <laughs> so I got out of the three dollar rental. <laughs> but when he found me the copy, which he found an excellent copy, um, when he found me a copy, he also uploaded the 2010 one. So nice. I'm gonna give that a shot. All right, cool. Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to uh, watch it myself. Yeah, I have not yet. Um, I should have. I honestly. I saw that there was a remake and then immediately forgot that there was a remake. And <laughs> I wish I had like spent one of the last couple of nights uh, actually watching the remake. You know, worse comes to worse. We could incorporate this in an October adventure. That's true. Oh, very good point. Yeah, we might. We um, may have to save it. Might, might, might have to save that and watch it for our 31 nights of Halloween. Yeah. That would be a perfect it one. Would. Oh, we'll put that, write that down. We'll add that to the notes. <laughs> it's going in there, folks. It, <laughs> stick with us. It, come October, we'll talk all about it. So as a horror film and the horror elements, I thought worked really well. 
I was constantly bothered by how dismissive Alex was of his wife. Yes. Uh, I was, I like, Joan was my hero. Her friend Joan, who, you know, uh, Sally tells her something's happening, this is happening, and Joan says, okay. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm going to support you. I believe you. You know, let's get to the bottom of this. I'm like, Joan, yeah, you're my hero. Uh, <laughs> Meanwhile, Alex is like, I'm starting a new job here. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I can't be bothered with your demons. We're going to have a party. <laughs> never mind that there's... Come on. Never mind that there's murderous autumn squash people in the basement. No, jo- Joan was amazing, and I, I, I did have a... There was a nice little moment, too. Early on, when when she's not... She's not even... Sally's not even sure herself whether or not she's seen anything or hear hearing anything it's early in, in, mm-hmm. in the in the baddies being out of the out of the fireplace um, and she's t- imparting to Joan that you know the, the ashtray broke and nobody touched it and, and 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 she's getting a little anxious and nervous and then of course the party's coming up and she's worried about that so Joan's still trying to be supportive. Like, okay, well, I tell you what, we both have husbands that are ignoring us and they're all worried about their jobs. Let's go spend their money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's a true friend. You know, uh, I, 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 I can't help you with what you got, so let me help you in another way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Joan was definitely, she was pretty awesome in this. I, I liked Joan. But yes, she was a good friend, and she she immediately went to Sally's side when she finally, you know, when she realized that Sally really needed her. I'm like, awesome. I mean, you're doing a lot better than her husband is. It just it just really bothered me how dismissive he was. No, the the truly good ending would be uh, after after they've gotten out of this. Sally just tells Alex, "You got to take a hike, dude." <laughs> <laughs> A little bit like you, I was waiting for some sort of tell-all from Mr. Harris. We kind of got the, okay, I'll tell you, and then we never get told. Right. (laughs) Well, yeah, and you think that's what you're going to get anyways, because there is that moment where Mr. Harris gets trapped in the basement with them, and, Mm -hmm. and they are tormenting him and telling him, do not tell. Do not tell. So he knows something. <laughs> yeah, because he yeah the whole time he's there screaming like I didn't I didn't say anything I I didn't tell him anything right. What, what the hell's going on? But what, what did, did you, you tell? <laughs> <laughs> and we never get told what he didn't tell. We never find out. <laughs> and like that that we're the audience. You're supposed to give that to us at some point. That's the point. <laughs> But, you know, like I said, though, I, I just feel like I'm kind of appreciative when films don't necessarily spoon feed you all the information. Let's just let you let you make up your own mind. Yeah, You know what? I decide that these the creatures are from this. This is why they're doing it. And this is what they're going to do. And this is what's going to happen next. And I'll just fill in the blanks myself. <laughs> or Or... Just take this and run with it. I I don't want to remake like you were saying. I want a sequel. I want a prequel. <laughs> this is the type of thing that, you know, 1990s would have just had a field day with direct to video. Right. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> uh, 
This full moon entertainment yeah, me should have been. They should have been all over this story. There's an entire action figure line already waiting for this. <laughs> Charles Band, if you're listening, what what did you did? Could you just not get the rights? Was someone being stingy? <laughs> what was the deal here? Or did you just? You can make what seven, eight freaking movies about killer puppets, but you <laughs> <laughs> couldn't pick up on this one. <laughs> This this had this had Charles Band written all over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you totally beat me to that. This has got full moon all <laughs> over it. Ah, uh, yeah, I just I want to see more in the Don't Be Afraid of the Dark universe. <laughs> kind of, if it, anything, I just need the satisfaction to know what they are, where they come from, and why they're doing what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and what is their fascination with green light? <laughs> oh, yeah, they, yeah. wherever they show up, their little green light glows. I like that. Yeah, no, and that, granted, that's that's 1970s TV making right there. That's just, yeah, that's yeah. how you do it. You just shine a little light in the corner, and that means something's there. <laughs> right, that's spooky, yeah. That's alien, that's spooky. <laughs> it's green, it has to be green. <laughs> That was a Doctor Who Terrence Dix reference yeah, for it. anyone <laughs> catching up. <laughs> anyone might be. <laughs> There's a few, maybe a few Who fans that know what I'm talking about there. Just a few. <laughs> <laughs> no, but this was a fun. I I enjoyed it. This was a fun watch. This was a great little. It got me very interested in seeing what uh, Del Tor- Guillermo del Toro did with the theatrical. Um, I, I'm curious. It's like okay, it, that could be good. I'm already making myself nervous. We're not going to watch it for months. <laughs> ah. Yeah, but, you know, this is the kind of stuff that shaped who he was and what he would make later. Oh, I think this is probably an inspiration for a lot of people that went off and do did things through the 90s, I'm guessing. Maybe, uh, maybe Charles Band didn't remake any of these, but I bet you he watched this. <laughs> Oh yeah, no, it's it's definitely got inspiration written all over it. Oh. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like us, except you know, people with skill and talent, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they they latched onto this and they wanted to know what happened next. And while they might not have made the follow up to this, this is how they went into making what they would make. Oh, I just saw this little note here. You're talking about your friends and his copy on the Plex and everything. I just saw that in 2019, it was given a 4K remaster and released on Blu-ray by Warner Archive. And I just saw a story that Warner Archive is closing down. Oh, wow. They're not going to be doing their DVDs and Blu-rays and everything. So I may have to go shopping and see if this is still available. <laughs> maybe there's, maybe it's on, uh, it's on sale. Maybe there's a discount. <laughs> Everything must go. <laughs> you totally going to have to get into that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I read that or, or heard that somewhere. And uh, so, yeah, I might have to jump on it because I, I would not mind having this. And it just being sort of like that, uh, one of those things you watch towards in the fall, you know, that's that yearly October get or, get together with the family and watch a fun flick. Yeah, no, the yeah, this could have fun family friendly Halloween film all over it. And you know, yeah. you catch your kid at the right time. Like like I'm saying, 
clearly del toro took some inspiration for his future work off of stuff like this seeing it when he was a kid uh it's clear i'm sure uh while he may not i don't even since he made the the other one there's probably an interview somewhere where he references the original movie oh yeah um so knowing that you show your kids at the right time, and this is the kind of stuff that feeds their imagination into their future. Go out there, folks, making your own Del Toro right now. <laughs> and it'll be a lot of fun, because this is one of those really fun films where you could sit down with, like, kids today, yes, and they would absolutely balk <laughs> at what people are wearing, the way they wore their hair, and the technology... <laughs> <laughs> that's in the kitchen or the home phone. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Kim Darby's hair in this was was just le- like, sure, that's a style. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. just kind of <laughs> sitting up there on your top of your head. Why not? I think they, for some reason, I think they tried, I don't, I, I feel like this may be, I hope I'm not insulting Kim Darby, <laughs> but I really feel like they tried to make her as homely as possible right uh with uh, what she was wearing and the way she the, her hairstyle they just really felt like they went out of her way to just make her look bland for some reason you know and i i, I could see that playing with what they were doing because the idea is this was supposed to be an extraordinary thing happening to somebody who was just not that extraordinary. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just, she's a housewife. Um, hubby makes decent amount of money and she just got gifted a house after, uh, her grandmother passed away. I mean, they're making, they're making their life with what they got. There's nothing special going on in her world. Although she mentioned, uh, what being being a hostess way too often in the film <laughs> like like somehow that was her role as his wife was to be a hostess <laughs> yeah there was definitely well like we were talking about the chauvinism and the misogyny i mean her her role was to be the housewife right and she thought that should be her role is was to be the housewife so yeah that's a little well it, at the time it was made that was like one of those just rough things you kind of have to get over it, it, it is, and I, I, I grant that, but it, 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 she, like, literally verbalized that so many times that they were kind of pummeling you with it. I'm ordinary. <laughs> yeah, and, and you feel like a lot of her stress came from the fact that she wasn't able to be the perfect hostess or housewife right. because of all, what was happening. Yeah. That part in 2021 is almost as creepy as anything else that happened <laughs> in the film, because... Yeah, when you get down to, to the little pumpkin head guys, uh, once you see them, they're not scary. <laughs> no, no. And, and they're fairly inept at evil. So <laughs> they only managed one murder, and they, they did that with a shoestring. <laughs> and, they, and they apologized for it because they were, sorry, it was meant to be you. <laughs> Again, no explanation as to why it's supposed to be her. They, they seem to be attached to her, but Kieran Linger has to be part of the equation, but we don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Well, if I'm not mistaken, I think there is just some uh, dialogue in the beginning, some voiceover talking about the house and how old it was. Mm-hmm. So 
I think we were supposed to get the impression that this goes back a ways. Right. Um, and I don't know, maybe Grandma was the one that finally tried to put a stop to it by having the fireplace bricked up. But you're right. I mean, like I was saying, we don't need a remake. We need a bloody prequel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, I want to know where they come from and why they're tormenting this family. <laughs> yes. And what do they get out of killing the woman of the house? I mean, they they want they kept saying she she's for us. She you're to be with us. Uh, they they reiterated that as several times, but we don't know what that means or why they needed it to happen. <laughs> Are you supposed? Well, is she supposed to be your mother? I, I, <laughs> <laughs> you need somebody to hostess your parties. Well, maybe uh, it's not too late. I mean, this is a bit of a cult favorite. A lot of people like this film. A lot of people have marked it, it has talked about it as being their inspiration for uh, making films or or, or, or writing uh, horror stories and everything. So I'm, I'm guessing if there isn't already out there, there's still potential for someone to do something that would lead up to this or follow after it. Well, I don't know. I don't think I have anything else to say about it. I, I just really enjoyed it. I definitely recommend people if they haven't already watched it. Um, go and yeah, go and watch it. I think you have a good time. This one I can actually recommend. I don't. I don't have to like pick and choose who I'd recommend it to. I think this is a all arounder. This one, like we said, this is your entry level popcorn munching. Sit with your your kids at. Seven, eight, seven or eight years old, and they could probably hack this one. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. So, yeah, do you got anything else that you wanted to mention? You wanted to? Nope. I, I, I just love them Oompa Loompas. <laughs> <laughs> so, I guess in a couple of weeks, we'll be back with another MST3K Unrift. I've been giving it a little bit of thought. Have you given any thought about which film you might like to do next? I. Uh, unless you have something specific, the one that seems to sit on our list, which I don't even recall seeing the actual Mystery Science Theater, so I'm going to have to watch both, is is the one called Squirm. Oh, right. That's because it was one of the latter ones, and I think believe it was in the Sci-Fi Channel days. And, and I know at that point, especially how old I was at the time and how much access I had, to sci-fi channel i may have missed it just because and i have not seen mm -hmm. it come back around somewhere else so this is maybe one where i'll have to catch them both so uh unless you've got a different choice i'd say we go with squirm okay nope i think that's a fine choice and that one was recommended by nick brown from the b movie cast that was one that he suggested when i threw it out the in social medias to if anyone had any suggestions and they that one that film came up not so much for the MST, but because he thought the uh, the film itself had some uh, redeeming qualities, and he recommended actually uh, listening to the commentary that goes along with it. So I did actually get a hold of the DVD, so I do have the commentary on hand. So I will make sure that uh, I share that with you as well. So if you get a chance uh, to watch that, might have to do this one three times. <laughs> <laughs> A daunting task. I've seen the Mystery Science Theater. I've actually have watched this film unriffed once. I may just jump and do the commentary right away, and then uh, then I have, have, I have 
if I have time, I'll jump in and watch it unrift without the commentary as well. No, I think I'm going to have to do unrift commentary and then the Mystery Science Theater. I think that's there you I go. think that's my order for this one. All right, so we'll be back in a couple weeks with Squirm. I uh, hope you join us. Thank you very much for listening to this one. Um, we'll catch you later. Bye. See ya.